Radio 3. For the final time this morning, a quick look around Asian stock markets. The ASX 200 in Australia up half a percent. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is up also half a percent. Over in South Korea, the Cosby is down a little bit, about a quarter of a percent. Uh, looks like the Hang Seng here in Hong Kong is also going to open down about 140, 150 points at the open. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil is slightly firmer this morning, trading at $70.81 a barrel, and gold is at $1,728 an ounce. And I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock with more Money Talk. Stay tuned for Back Chat with Hugh Chiverton and Anna Fenton, the weather forecast for today. Sunny intervals, few showers and thunderstorms. Those showers are going to be heavy in some areas in the morning. Maximum temperature is going to be around 32 degrees. There will still be a few showers in the next couple of days. Hot during the day with sunny intervals. It's 28 degrees right now, 91% relative humidity. It's 8.31. Here's Barry O'Rourke with the half-hour news. The head of an education concern group says he's surprised at the disbandment of the professional teachers' union, but that it had become too politicised over the years. Mervyn Chern from the Education Policy Concern Organisation said the move should not affect the day-to-day -day work of teachers. He said there was still room for outspoken unions in Hong Kong as long as they didn't spread anti-government sentiment. Chief Executive has recently said not hijacking education and not spreading the cyst of anti-government and anti-China sentiments, they can still continue uh, uninterrupted. President Biden has called the trillion-dollar infrastructure bill passed by the U.S. Senate a historic investment deal that will transform America. The plan, a key part of his agenda, won bipartisan support. The package will see massive investment in traffic links, high-speed internet and other projects. Speaking just before the vote, the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the funding was long overdue. It's been a long and winding road, but we have persisted and now we have arrived. There were many logs in our path, detours along the way. But the American people will now see the most robust injection of funds into infrastructure in decades. Germany is to tighten rules for accessing certain public spaces later this month because of COVID-19. People will have to prove they've been vaccinated, recently tested negative or recovered from the virus to eat inside restaurants or visit hospitals, care homes, gyms, hotels or indoor events. Here's the BBC's Danny Eberhardt. Germany's coronavirus infection rates are currently low, but they've risen in recent weeks, fueled by the Delta variant. And politicians are on their guard, fearing a fourth wave in the autumn. Following a meeting with the heads of Germany's 16 states, Chancellor Merkel warns that vaccination rates had slowed substantially. She's against compulsory vaccinations, but these new regulations, similar to those in force in France, may encourage people to get jabbed. The Algerian Defence Ministry says 18 members of the military have died fighting fires in forests in the Kabylie region in the east of Algiers. The government says seven civilians have also died. The BBC's Sebastian Usher has the details. 
As in Greece and Turkey, great walls of fire have risen up in forests that cover the hillsides in the Kabylia region of Algeria. In mobile phone footage, people can be seen running from the flames looming over towns and villages. The army and firefighters have been mobilized to fight the flames and save those in danger, but they've suffered heavy losses. The authorities have said they believe only criminal activity could have caused so many simultaneous conflagrations in different locations. More news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chewis and your co-host today, Anna Fenton. Anna, good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. Today we're talking about e-cigarettes and black sand on a beach. School principals have been urging the government to fully ban e-cigarettes. After education body says there is increasing usage among teenagers and young people. Official figures show less than 1% of primary and secondary students are using alternative tobacco products. Well, in 2019, a bill to outlaw the import, production, distribution, sale and promotion of new smoking products was introduced to LegCo, but it has been stuck ever since. Would a ban be really effective in encouraging young smokers to quit or would it instead drive them to buy traditional tobacco products which remain legal? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page Bankchat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us bankchat at rthk.hk or you can call us and our number is 233-88266. Join the conversation. 233-88266 is the number. Uh, and uh, after 9.15, as I say, we're going to be discussing the artificial Lungmei Beach near near Taipo. It's turning black, at least uh, in part. What is going on there? Once again, our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Joining us for our first topic now, we have with us Dr Judith Mackay, Honorary Professor in the University of Hong Kong School of Public Health, a Senior Policy Advisor to the World Health Organization. Henry Tongzhou Chai, who's the Chairman of the Hong Kong Council on Smoking and Health. Nancy Lucas, who's Executive Coordinator of the Coalition of Asia-Pacific Harm Reduction Advocates. And YCU, who's a member of the Heated Tobacco Concern Group, Hong Kong. Once again, our email, backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, Mr. Yu, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Hello, Mr. Yu, YCU? No? Sorry, yes, he's joining us later. I beg your pardon. <laughs> Sorry, my, 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 my mistake. Uh, Judith Mackay, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Morning. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. Sorry, we uh, will get to Mr. Yu later. Um, so, uh, what, what do you think about this? Uh, as I say, these, uh, this group of uh, educators, uh, school principals in particular, have been uh, drawing attention to the uh, to uh, young people uh, using new smoking products. But the numbers um, uh, are small, uh, relatively low. Um, is, is there a particular link between young people and these sort of new methods of smoking, apart from tobacco? Well, the reality is, good morning, Hugh, the reality is that it's young people who are really taking up this habit. The tobacco industry would have you believe that these are to help people quit smoking, middle-aged smokers, but all the advertising, all the promotion, all the sponsorship are geared towards, you know, raves and parties and kids and even comics. So it's young people who are taking up the habit. And you mentioned that we have a very low numbers in Hong Kong who are using it, but all the more reason to try and nip it in the bud, because once these things become available on the market, there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. 
But we have a number of products, we have a number of things which, which we don't want children to have, or alcohol most, most prominently. Um, uh, and we have rules so, so that we, keep, we try and keep alcohol away from children. We keep other adult things away from children. Can't we just use the same approach when it comes to e-cigarettes? Well, the reality is that there's no form of tobacco use that is harmless, firstly. And secondly, tobacco is in a category of its own in terms of hard harm. Cigarette smokers, for example, two, up to two out of every three of them will eventually die from smoking. And there's no other consumer product on the market that comes remotely close to that degree of risk. And Hong Kong has done pretty well in terms of bringing the smoking rates down. We've shown that it can be done. We've halved our smoking rates in Hong Kong over the last 30 years. And we don't want to jeopardize that by uh, introducing a new form, a very new trendy form, I might say, of tobacco onto the market here. And so I think also in combination with the accumulating evidence of the harmfulness of both e-cigarettes and heated tobacco products, I think in view of that accumulating evidence, it's prudent to do a sort of precautionary measure, a sort of preemptive strike to stop that genie getting out of the bottle. Mm. Could you just explain the difference between e-cigarettes, vaping and this class of heated tobacco products? Because I think there's a lot of confusion. Uh, a lot of people that I know think, oh, that's just for marijuana or THC. But can you explain a bit more about what they are? Well, e-cigarettes, both of them use sort of plastic kind of containers and therefore um, superficially one might think they look alike. I agree with you, Anna. But e-cigarettes, some contain nicotine, some don't, but mm -hmm. they are basically a liquid. They themselves contain all sorts of volatile organic compounds, cancer-causing chemicals, heavy metals, flavorings, hundreds of flavorings, um, and some ki different kinds of particles. But essentially, they haven't got tobacco per se in them. If they have any kind of tobacco component, it is the nicotine. So it's a kind of, kind of liquid. Heated tobacco products, on the other hand, are basically tobacco that you simply warm instead of burn. That's the difference between them. And the evidence at the moment is that the heated tobacco products, in fact, are even more dangerous than the e-cigarettes. Yes, and the big problem, as I understand it, is that you've no idea how much nicotine is in any of these products. Well, this is indeed the problem, and the labelling is all over the place. Our own Baptist University in Hong Kong did a study about a couple of years ago looking at the labelling and then testing the ingredients, and they found they just didn't match at all. Those that said they had nicotine and didn't, those that said they were nicotine-free, actually contained nicotine. So this is one of the big problems. And the second problem is that actually, in terms of the ingredients, we simply don't have a clue what's in most of these hundreds of different kinds of tobacco products. Um, the labeling at best will show only a few of the chemicals that are in them. But this is one of the real problems. This is one of the real big don't knows about these products. We just, <coughs> excuse me, simply don't know the ingredients. We don't know the full harm. I mean, after all, we've had combustible cigarettes on the market for 100 years, and we're only now, just now, discovering some of the harms that they're causing. So they are, there's two very big unknowns here. And the other evidence is accumulating that they do act as a youth gateway. They don't really help quitting in population terms. You know, anecdotally, people might say they've been helped by them, but they don't. And we're really worried in Hong Kong that they will, in a sense, renormalize tobacco use, just as our cigarette prevalence is falling. So we don't need an additional product on the market. And looking historically, we've been twice misled 
by the tobacco industry before, that they had a safe product. One was when they introduced filters, and one was when they introduced low-tar, and both of those turned out to be sort of false panaceas. And I might say there's now a growing number of countries that are banning them. Um, somewhere between 35 to 40 countries have banned them, and 100 countries have pretty strict regulations on e-cigarettes. So I think the world is waking up to the fact that these are not safe products. Uh, Henry Tong from the Council yeah. on Smoking and Health. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. I mean, the, the, the logic is, you know, why ban these uh, when uh, conventional tobacco products are still allowed and the evidence suggests that they are actually more harmful? How do you counter that? Well, uh, first of all, I, I, I would say uh, our council and the principals, uh, education sector, uh, we want to ban, uh, we want the lawmakers to ban the heated potato products and the e-cigarettes at the same time because uh, they are both very harmful uh, to young people and to the public. And as uh, Professor McKay said, uh, the heated potato products is even more harmful than e-cigarettes. Uh, the public support is very clear uh, from a recent uh, uh, Hong Kong University uh, research uh, over 68% of the public in Hong Kong, they support the total ban for, uh, for these alternative smoking products. I personally and, and, uh, and the uh, Federation of uh, uh, Parents Teacher Associations in Hong Kong in the past three years, we conducted three large-scale uh, parent surveys, and uh, over 80% of parents uh, want the government to ban heated tobacco products and e-cigarettes altogether as soon as uh, possible because parents are very worried about the harmful effects of these uh, products to our students, to our children, and also it is very difficult uh, for parents to know their, whether their children uh, are using them because they look like electronic products, they have less odor, less smell uh, than the traditional cigarettes, and parents are very worried, and parents don't know where the, the kids uh, could get them because there are multiple ways, like online and in retails, that uh, kids uh, could get them and parents are very worried. Isn't that the problem, though? If parents have lost control of their children to that extent and the kids are able to access these products, uh, making the government ban them is, is not really going to be much of a deterrent, is it? In fact, well, I worry well, uh, that it would drive I, it underground. I, 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 be, I believe that first. Uh, whatever, uh, when, when, as an educator myself, uh, what, uh, when we make a major decision or a major policy, we send a, send a moral and a value uh, message uh, to our children. Uh, if the lawmaker legalized uh, heated tobacco products, it sends a wrong message to our children that it is bad, but actually it's not that bad. When you re reach 18 years old, you can, you can choose uh, to, to use it. Uh, that's a very wrong moral and a very wrong uh, ethical message uh, to, to, our, to, our, to our children. And secondly, uh, I, I would like to point out that uh, if, the, uh, if the government bans some harmful products at the right time and with the right law enforcement, uh, it could be uh, very uh, effective. For example, in uh, 1987, the Hong Kong government uh, banned uh, chewing tobacco in Hong Kong. And I think most people, including my children, uh, they don't know what's chewing tobacco in Hong Kong, and there's not, I think, there's not a, a black market of chewing tobacco in Hong Kong. But on the other hand, in other countries, uh, like the United States or, or in India, uh, uh, there are still many people, there are still people using uh, uh, this, uh, they could use uh, chewing tobacco, particularly in India, it caused a lot of problems for the people.
people. And uh, it, it, the Hong Kong government did a good job in 1987 banning chewing tobacco. And I think the Hong Kong government should do a good job now banning these uh, new uh, alternative smoking products. All right. With, also with us, I say, is Nancy Lucas, Executive Coordinator of the Coalition of Asia-Pacific Harm Reduction Advocates. Ms. Lucas, good morning to you, and thanks for, 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 for joining us today. Uh, you know, what's your, what are your thoughts on this? What are the situation in other Asia-Pacific countries when it comes to the, the legal status of e-cigarettes and heated tobacco products? Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Um, Nancy here. I am located in New Zealand, but I deal with countries all throughout Asia-Pacific, so I'm going to try to make this as clear as possible. Um, I'm going to start with New Zealand. In New Zealand, they went to ban heated tobacco products. Um, the district court here actually overturned that, and New Zealand decided, through consultation with scientists and researchers, what are we going to do about this? New Zealand has a plan called the Smoke-Free 2025 Plan. And what this plan is, is to get people less than 5% of the population using combustible tobacco or unsafe oral tobacco. In consultation with the consumers, with academics, with all the stakeholders, they decided they were going to re regulate these products risk proportionate. Now, when I say risk proportionate, I mean restrictive R18, which is our legal age for smoking here is 18. Um, E-cigarettes, and I want to make the d d definition here between heated tobacco and e-cigarettes with e-liquid. All of these products are R18. And in order to access e-cigarettes with liquid, which I think the doctor was talking about with the cartoons and the flavors and all of that, that is only available in a specialist retail shop, so it's not available everywhere. Heated tobacco, same. Now, I understand that in society and also there's cultural considerations that need to be taken into consider taken into mind here. That you know, if you don't have a high smoking rate, why would you want to allow a product onto the market, okay, when you don't have a big problem? However, harm reduction follows through with let's prevent harm, okay? I don't know the specific situation in Hong Kong. I've heard has been said. I understand as a parent that I would not want my children to use these products. But on the other hand, we have to think about the adults that do smoke and do use these the harmful product that will kill you at least with a 50% guarantee. So that is where harm reduction comes in as opposed to a ban. Now, I believe that, you know, somebody also mentioned about, you know, just a black market. Right now in Australia, they are looking down the barrel of a prescription-only model. And what's happening over there is all the people that do vape have said they will either, A, go to a black market, or, B, go back to combustible smoking. Granted, they have much higher smoking rates than they do in Hong Kong. In Australia. Regulation, the, yeah, in Australia. The benefit of regulation for the government and for people is this. You can make sure that you don't have a repeat of the Evali situation that happened in the United States with the THC cartridges. What, what was that, what was that what, exactly? Because THC is increasingly popular here among certain sectors of society. Yeah, THC is it's a, it's a chemical component of marijuana that people use to get high, okay? And in the United States about two years ago, they were flooded with um, cartridges, which are used 
to vaporize a liquid. It contained vitamin E acetate, which is very bad for your lungs. I'm sure the doctor can agree. And what happened is a lot of young people were using this to get high. And in the United States, when it first happened, people believed it was vaping, as in nicotine vaping. But it wasn't. It was something illegal that was on the market. Now, when as you a marijuana product. Market, yeah. When you regulate a market, and like they're doing here in New Zealand, they're very specific about what can be included in an e-liquid. Therefore... You won't have the access to that because it's a regulated market and you won't have people in their backyards or in their bathrooms making, you know, e-liquid. So there are benefits to regulation for public health that can be thrown out the window if you decide to go for a ban because now you have no control. If you regulate, you have control. Hmm. Dr. Mackay, how do you think regulating as, as opposed to banning would work in Hong Kong? Um, the tobacco industry in particular is always calling for voluntary agreements and regulations rather than outright bans. They did this with everything I can think of, for example, even smoke-free areas. They said leave it up to the individual, the adults, and so on. The reality is it's children who are sucked into this habit. And we actually have very little evidence in Asia on the effects of these products. There's only been one report in Asia, to my knowledge, uh, which was in Taiwan in 2019 on 13,000 students. And they found, I was talking about the gateway effect, mm -hmm. that teen vaping doubled the odds of youth taking up cigarette smoking within the next two years. And studies overseas have put that as high as three, um, as trebled the odds of youth taking up cigarette smoking. But I think the more important thing is that e-cigarettes do actually not help smokers quit. They've done two huge studies. One was in 28 European countries. And they said e-cigarettes were associated with inhibiting rather than assisting in smoking cessation. Well, it's the very same as alcoholics thinking that by swapping whiskey for beer that they're getting themselves off booze, isn't it? <laughs> Really good analogy. I think that's right. And another meta-analysis of 64 papers, they're not associated with increased smoking. And even in England, and England, not Scotland, I might say, but England has gone out on a limb in terms of, um, uh, along with the US, in terms of encouraging these products. But if you look over the last sort of 10 years, you will see that the smoking rates in England are sort of traveling along a pretty horizontal line. And then right in the middle, when e-cigarettes were introduced, you see them increasing enormously. But that black line of smoking hardly is affected at all. So even in England, there seems to be very little evidence that introducing these products helps smokers quit smoking on a population basis. I think that's the, you know, that's the cold scientific reality of it. Uh, Henry Tong, what about the point? What about the point that um, adults should be able to make the decision for themselves? Uh, you know, we have Category Three films. We don't think they're good for children, so we stop children seeing them. We don't. We don't have a stance really on on well, uh, whether, as a society, we want them to. We want adults to to watch Category Three three films. We allow them to make the decision for themselves. Isn't well, well, the situation for, uh, comparable? Well, uh, uh, first of all, uh, for the so-called adult harm reduction. Uh, first of all, uh, we don't agree with uh, the fact, uh, we don't agree that uh, the heat portable products, they are less harmful. Uh, we are the research that I've read that they are more harmful. Secondly, uh, according to a new research uh, released by the uh, Hong Kong University, uh, the adult smokers, 
uh, in Hong Kong, uh, there are only less than 10% of those smokers in Hong Kong who have an intention to use the heated tobacco products. And, and for, the, for, the, for the adult smokers in Hong Kong who intend to quit, uh, less than 8% of them uh, have, uh, have the intention to use uh, heated tobacco products. And according to a, a study by, uh, by the Hong Kong University uh, last uh, November, uh, 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 there are evidence uh, that uh, heated tobacco products, they don't uh, help uh, quitting uh, smoking uh, at all. And also, uh, according to the Hong Kong University's study, uh, the percentage of uh, uh, smokers, young smokers, uh, adolescents, the percentage of them using, using uh, the heated tobacco products is much higher than adult smokers uh, using heated tobacco products. That's, I think that's what uh, we and, uh, and uh, Professor McKay are very, are very, 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 and the parents are concerned about uh, this uh, heated tobacco products and e-cigarettes. It, it, it provides a gateway effect. Uh, to, to young people okay. well, message. Can I put that to Nancy Lucas? Um, what about the gateway effect? What, and, and what is the evidence that you were talking about harm reduction, that there is any reduction in harm, you know, accruing to these, these new smoking approaches? Well, here's the thing. Um, Public Health England, I want to address what the doctor said about what's going on in England and Great Britain. And yes, Scotland is a, is a completely separate entity. Um, the smoking rates since the introduction of e-cigarettes in Great Britain has actually dropped. They've gone from 22% of everyone down to 14.1% as of 2019. Okay, so these products have helped millions of people over there to be able to switch from the very harmful thing to the less harmful thing. Um, ASH UK also issued a report last year showing and addressing the youth vaping that was happening in the UK. And that was equivalent to about 1%. And at the same time, however, the youth smoking rate also dropped. And it's the same here in New Zealand. Again, let me reiterate, I do not believe that youth should use these products. But I also, the stats from Public Health England and from ASH UK and here in New Zealand from our Action on Smoking and Health have shown that youth are not using these products to the extent that should be causing any kind of mass outrage because it's experimentation and not daily use. Also, the smoking rates are going down. So this tells me that the more that the adults switch from the most harmful thing to the less harmful thing, it's also has a knock-on effect that the children are now not smoking. And as the child of a smoker who did pick up smoking, I can tell you that is a very big issue with what, whether a child will smoke or not. Okay? As far as heated tobacco, when I look at these things, I, you know, and, and, and this is a scientific thing, and I think the doctor will understand what I'm saying, there's a continuum of harm. We know that smoking has at least 50% chance of killing you. And then as you move over towards the less harmful thing, then you have heated tobacco. And then according to the stats that are coming out of England, you've got e-cigarettes with liquids. So we're going to focus here because the issue here is heated tobacco. Well, hang on, Japan, Mr. Tong, Mr. Tong, do you accept that? Do you accept that there is a continuum and that, um, in essence, e-cigarettes, heated tobacco products are safer? Well, uh, uh, 
uh, first, I, 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 I don't agree that uh, the e-cigarettes or, or heated tobacco products are, are safer. Uh, no smoking products or, or tobacco products, they, uh, they are safer. Secondly, uh, as far as I remember, the, the figures in Hong Kong is that in year 2017, the smoking preference of all of Hong Kong is uh, uh, in adults, uh, they are 10.0%. In year 2019, uh, the, uh, the smoking preference in Hong Kong is 10.2%. I'm very, very, very concerned that there's a trend of, uh, a, uh, of, uh, of going up uh, smoking preference uh, in Hong Kong, and we shouldn't allow new uh, tobacco products uh, being sold in Hong Kong. And one, 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 uh, uh, one more thing. I really don't want to use our children, uh, that's what I've been saying, our children, our students, as guinea pig to test how harmful uh, even more harmful or less harmful, how harmful these new products are. I just don't want, as a parent, as an a, a education, I just don't want children to have any chance to touch uh, these, even if they are after 18 years old, to touch these uh, new, new smoking products. Ms. Likas? Um, I don't want youth to use them either. But I also don't want youth to be exposed to secondhand smoke. And I also don't want youth to lose their elders because they were smokers and they died from a smoking-related disease. Now, as it relates to Asia, I'm going to give you the example of Japan, okay? In Japan, the smoking rates haven't risen since the introduction of heated tobacco in 2014, okay? And the smoking rates have actually dropped from about 20% in 2013 down to 16.7% in 2019, okay? So that tells me that if people are willing to take the safer alternative, they are more than willing to do that. And that, to me, is a win because that means less, less death and less disease. Even, no one wants you using these things. I'm, no I'm, one. I'm just querying this. You know, my observation as an addiction counselor is it's very slippery slope here from the vaping into the THC. And you see the kids can do this in their bedrooms with their friends and mom and dad don't know because the smell and the... The, the way normal cigarette smoke clings to your clothes, they're able to do this secretly. Um, so I'm seeing a very different picture here, um, albeit among a very specific demographic. But the gateway effect is very real into cannabis, I'm afraid. And uh, if cannabis, I can tell you... I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, go on, with Nancy. Cigarette smoking to cannabis, yeah, with cigarette smoking to cannabis, yes, I can see that. I haven't seen in any of the countries. You know, New Zealand, Australia, um, the stats from the U.K., Latin America, we haven't seen any significant stats about the vaping leading kids to using cannabis. How would they know? THC? How would they know? This is secret in bedrooms. You can smell it. THC? THC? Yes. Yes, it has a very distinctive smell. It has a cannabis-like smell. Well, okay. well, we're going to have to put... It does indeed. OK, we'll have to say goodbye for the moment to uh, Nancy Lucas uh, from the Coalition for Asia-Pacific Harm Reduction Advocates and to uh, Henry Tong from the Hong Kong Council of Smoking and Health. Dr Mackay will stay with us. We're also going to be joined uh, by someone uh, from the Heated Tobacco Concern Group and we hope by you. Drop us a line, bankchat.rthk.hk. The weather, sunny intervals and a few showers and thunderstorms. 28 Celsius now, relative humidity is at 91%. Harassed 11 women. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
Welcome back. Back chat this Wednesday morning with Anna Fenton and Miku Chiverton. We're talking about e-cigarettes, heated tobacco products. This is after a group of uh, educators, school principals, uh, of course, for the uh, total banning. Uh, that's uh, under consideration by the Legislative Council uh, in a bill which is uh, stuck in LegCo at the moment. There's some uh, suggestion that it might be it might be moving uh, a little bit, basically because uh, there were different, different ideas about uh, whether or not to ban uh, these new methods of smoking uh, in Hong Kong, uh, given that uh, traditional tobacco uh, remains legal. Joining us to discuss the issue we have with us, Dr Judith Mackay, honorary professor in the University of Hong Kong School of Public Health and a senior policy advisor to the World Health Organization. We're also joined now by YCU, who's a member of the Heated Tobacco Concern Group Hong Kong. Later, we're going to be talking about, uh, we're trying to find out what's going on uh, in Lung Mei, an artificial beach that was uh, uh, opened uh, recently near Taipo, you might remember, on, on Tolo Harbour. Uh, it's turning black uh, in part. Also problems with lots of uh, sea urchins. Um, I think 50 people treated for, for, for uh, injuries from sea urchins in one day. Um, what's going on there? Uh, you can email backchat at rthk.hk with your questions, your comments uh, and your thoughts. Um, maybe let's, let's just deal with a couple of uh, emails uh, first. Um, and perhaps, uh, Dr. Mackay, you could you could address this. Paul says, I've always wanted to know why, despite governments across the world doing all they can to ban smoking, the chances of dying of cancer over the past 50 years has gone up from one in 30 to one in three. Can your panel address this? That's from Paul. Dr. Mackay, can you explain that? It's just a matter of accumulation of data, and we're finding exactly the same thing with COVID. That, you know, in the early days of a pandemic, you've got uh, a, a limited window, a limited opportunity to look at some of the effects. And you actually need decades. You need decades with tobacco to realize the full impact of it. Um, it's it very much affected by how early people start smoking. So nowadays, what we're finding is around the world that half of the people who start smoking, more than half, are starting in youth. They're starting before the age of 20. So that we're getting these longitudinal, long-term studies. And this is why also the dangers are coming out. For example, much more recently, the link with TB, the link with some cancers. I mean, evidence is still accumulating on ordinary cigarettes. And I think with these e-cigarettes, you know, WHO has said repeatedly that it is, it, it is just too early to tell. It's just too early to tell the extent of the damage. And we're going to need some decades to know that. And so the question is, can you allow a product on the market with known harms at the moment, but potentially even greater harms to actually be an add-on to the smoking epidemic that we have at the moment? I think Paul's question may be, uh, maybe imply a kind of larger uh, uh, analysis, just in general, the chances of dying of cancer. Uh, basically going up over the past 50 years from 1 in 30 to, to 1 in 3. I think he means all cancers, uh, even though smoking uh, you know, levels have, have fallen. Uh, why are so many people, so much a greater proportion of people dying of cancer in general? Well, a big contributor to that is the fact that we're an ageing population. Mm. You know, we're not dying because of vaccinations, I might say, to a very large extent of all the childhood diseases. We're not dying of smallpox or measles or diphtheria or polio. Therefore, we're living longer. Therefore, our whole sort of age, the median age in societies, even in many of the, what 
are called the low and middle income countries, even they are shifting so that our average age of population is going up. And cancer in general, I'm not speaking specifically about smoking, but cancer in general is a disease of the middle and older age people. And therefore, in that sense, we might be seeing more numbers of it within society. And indeed, our hospital wards now are filled with people with those older, so to speak, chronic diseases like heart disease, like cancer, like chronic lung disease, like diabetes and so on, rather than the childhood the childhood things that really kill people beforehand. Which are basically lifestyle diseases, aren't they, what you're describing? Yes, absolutely. In fact, 60% now of all the deaths in the world are due to the non-communicable diseases. There's been a massive shift over the last 50 years from the infectious diseases and in, uh, to the uh, non-communicable diseases. And even if you look at COVID, you know, COVID's killing perhaps one to two, maximum three percent of people who are getting it. Um, it's nothing as like as lethal as tobacco. Okay. Uh, and one, an email from Tim who says, how come government is banning e-cigarettes and not the regular cigarettes? This is hypocritical and is harming people at the expense of tax revenue. Also, surely big tobacco will surely migrate to cigarettes within a few years. Please ask Judith. That comes from Tim. Um, uh, right. I think the answer to that is that experiences with prohibition, such as in alcohol in the United States, simply led to crime and corruption. So I think all countries, given that smoking rates were up to half of all populations, most, in fact all governments, came to the decision the best way to, was to go incrementally and more permanently. So they introduced taxation, introduced smoke-free areas, a lot of health education, warnings on PACs to discourage it so that it would become a sustained and everlasting decrease. And that in the world has been surprisingly successful. All around the world, the smoking rates are dropping. The problem, however, is because we've got an increased population up to about 2040, 2050 in the world, we will actually have more smokers simply because there are more people. So even if the prevalence comes down, the uh, tobacco industry, in fact, is laughing all the way to the bank, one might say, because the number of smokers will go up in the foreseeable future, which is why I often say I'll be working till I'm 100. All right, uh, and a couple of comments from Facebook. Bill says official figures are wrong for decades for all tobacco and tobacco production-related consumption in Hong Kong. It also says the beach is promoting democracy and must be closed. I presume that's because it's turning black. Uh, Henry says the harmful effects of smoking tobacco cigarettes have been researched for decades, but study on the harmful effects of smoking e-cigarettes have begun not so long ago, and the harmful effects are not fully understood. There is no doubt that it harms our bodies, and there is ample medical evidence supporting that. I think the worst thing is that there are so many unknown substances inhaled in e-cigarettes. Just as smoking tobacco, cigarettes don't give you lung cancer the first day you smoke. The harm done by e-cigarettes are accumulative. I've seen newspapers reporting some diseases, e-cigarettes, smokers that's very concerning there's a link there and also says there's a f the following article concerns links between covid and uh, vaping you can follow up on those by checking out our facebook page uh ycu good morning to you mr you good morning hi thanks so much indeed for, for joining us first of all could i just cl clarify this the, the heated tobacco concern group that of, of which you're a member is, is that is that uh, funded or uh, related in any way to to the industry to the people who make heated tobacco I, products? I, I don't think so we, we're just a group of uh, people who have switched from conventional cigarettes to um heat not uh burn cigarettes um 
I, I, I think most of our members, we are just um, smokers, and we think it is not right, it is wrong, um, that uh, the government banned the products because, um, I mean, simple, first simple chemistry knowledge would tell us that combustion, which is heating up um, cigarette leaves to 1,400 degrees Celsius would be very harmful. I mean, if you go to BBQ barbecues, uh, the smoke from the, the food is already cause, causing you cancer. That's, uh, that's a very simple, uh, 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 common knowledge. But when you heat up, not burning the, the tobacco leaves, the temperature is just one-third, about 500 degrees Celsius. In other words, the chemicals, the dangerous chemicals, would be a lot less. That's, that's very simple chemistry. And because of that, and also because the uh, heat not burned uh, products uh, produce much less smell, and uh, there's no cigarette butts to take care of, uh, it's so easy. And that's why many of our friends have switched. However, if the government bans it, it doesn't mean we will quit. We'll probably get it um, somewhere. So why, why it, just out of interest, it, why do you feel the need to put nicotine in your body of any form? I don't think there is nicotine in, in the product. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. The heat not burn. The heat <laughs> not burn cigarettes is different from conventional cigarettes. Are you saying and, there's no and, nicotine? Well, I, I can do without cigarettes for two months. I'm not sort of addicted in, in your term, but I like to enjoy the, the whole uh, smoking process. And I don't think companies should ban, otherwise they would just ban conventional, conventional cigarettes as well. But if you look at the statistics from the government um, custom and excise, they have um, got um, their bunch of smuggled um, cigarettes and heat not burn cigarettes this year, uh, six months, is already more than the total of last year. So if you ban these um, um, new products, um, it just means uh, that there will be an even bigger black market for it. Okay, and number is 233-88266. Got a caller on the line, Mr. Lau. Mr. Lau, good morning. Good morning to you. Go ahead. Um, so um, I'm not a smoker, and I don't. I, I really don't like people smoking. And uh, my father was a smoker, so I don't really like him smoking either. But then he switched to his tobacco products a couple of years ago, and then he was forced to switch back to traditional cigarettes uh, because the supply is running really low. We couldn't go to Japan to buy. So my point really is that I, I think these products can really easily be incorporated into the tobacco control framework. You just ban the uh, uh, kids from buying it. You have the age restrictions. You have the advertisement uh, ban. So um, it can apply easily to heated tobacco products as well. I'm not talking about electronic cigarettes, just the heated tobacco products. And um, the, the, the international trend is showing that they, they opting for regulating these products instead of banning it. We're not talking about drugs where a lot of countries have already banned it. So I'm really worried about if it's really going for the ban. People like my father simply switch back to traditional cigarettes or they will go for the black market. And uh, at the same time, I have to say that uh, Dr. Tom just now said the ban on snooze is uh, a very successful case. I think I have to disagree because if you look into the Sweden example, you've got really low smoking rate and you've got also very low cancer rate overall as well. So is that considered, uh, is that considered a, a, a serious situation in Sweden? I don't think so. Maybe if you already, um, if you already uh, approve 
um, snooze in Hong Kong. Perhaps, and not saying that it will, but perhaps it actually can help contribute to lower smoking rate. Okay, okay. So, hang, well, hang on a second, sorry, because I know Dr. Mackay has to go in a, in, in a moment. Do you want to respond, Dr. Mackay? Yes, I think anybody who thinks that tobacco control is easy and that you simply just stop children from using them, that is not the reality. The reality is that it's children who take up and who use all of these products. And I think there is a distinction between if you look at a heated tobacco product, you can look at it in two ways. You can look at it in terms of the individual toxicity. And although there's still a lot of questions about that, um, in terms of we still don't know what a lot of the ingredients are, um, you can look at the toxicity of individual tobacco products. If you look at it in terms of overall public health in Hong Kong, you have also got to take into account all these other factors. Uh, firstly, behavioral science. Secondly, it's gateway effect. Thirdly, it's effect or not on quitting, the renormalization of smoking. Um, public health has got to look at the much broader picture of the effect of these, of these products on the society. Uh, yeah, John, Mr. Yu? Um, I've just uh, watched a program from TVB um, last night about the subject, and I was amazed that the, Hong, the, the Baptist University researcher um, told the viewers that she was asked by her client, the anti-smoking group, to exaggerate the methodology to yield the results they wanted. For example, they use a machine to mimic smokers and smoking four to five seconds, puffing um, each time. But in reality, uh, smokers ourselves, we don't puff four to five seconds per puff, maybe just one to two seconds. I mean, this is just a joke uh, of these local anti-smoking researchers. I think that's a very serious allegation that Hong Kong University are actually spiking their results. I think that needs investigation, and I think you know, one needs to be very careful indeed before making that kind of... Oh, that was actually admitted by Professor Chung, who conducted the research at the Baptist University. At the Baptist University? Yeah. Yes. yes. Professor I, Chung. I, 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 Chung I San Yeah, I think that's a very serious allegation. I have never heard of... Uh, you know, most people, most universities who are involved with doing these studies are searching for the best answer. They're not some kind of sinister force that is skewing the results. World Health Organization is the same. The aim of all of us is to provide, um, you know, a smoke-free environment, um, you know, a, a sort of safer place for the whole society to be, smokers and non-smokers included. There's not some sort of sinister plot to try and withhold products from the market that really could help smokers. That simply isn't the reality at all. I think it's really very upsetting that an accusation like that could be made. There's another issue which I could never understand for the government, and, and it's a pity that nobody from the government actually came onto the program today, uh, for the government to deal with illicit drugs. Um, heroin and so on. They use a harm reduction um, strategy, which means they would ask people to cut down and reduce their dosage rather than totally um, um, go cold turkey. I just don't understand why harm reduction is not used as a methodology or strategy for the government in terms of uh, this new products. Because but, but, many, just, but heroin is illegal. <laughs> heroin is yeah. very strictly illegal. Uh, and, there are and, many, many countries which have introduced um, um, new tobacco products 
because it would reduce the harm to current smokers, like um, in many countries in Europe, in New Zealand, and so on. And I don't know why the Hong Kong government is not following these leading Western countries. Right. Mr. Lau, are you still there? Yep. Yeah, just one, one, one point to you. Just, I mean, the, there's so many things, surely, that we just don't know. Um, you know, you might have criticisms of the way that the research is being done and, and, and so on. Um, but these products are relatively new uh, we, and we don't even know <clears throat> what the chemicals are um, that, that are being used. That are, um, uh, you know, so just for safety, um, wouldn't you rather not use them just because we just don't know the answers to the, all these questions? Um, I don't smoke because so anyway I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't want to try all these products uh, in in any case. But um, to your point, if you I think um, the US FDA have already done their own research and uh, actually a review of all the reports of chemicals released by the tobacco products and and their conclusion, given taken into uh, consideration all the uh, all the chemicals that existed in traditional uh, cigarettes and also some new chemicals, harmful or not harmful chemicals, released by either the buckle products, they still decided that these products can be marketed in the, in, the, in the States. So I think that's already a very strong indication of the potential risk of um, this kind of products. And actually, uh, again, to uh, Professor McKay's point, um, I agree that regulation is not easy, but neither is a ban. I mean, really, just, just, I, I'm not sure whether, uh, in where, uh, Judith, uh, Professor Judith McKay lives, uh, she, she would get a lot of all those illicit flyers. Actually, my, my place in public, uh, housing estate, I get that basically every day. Um, yeah, we're talking about Hong Kong, really. We're not talking about Singapore. We don't just ban something because it's a high uncertainty or really we're really concerned about it and we have to yeah I, which i agree to again to professor mckay that we have to look at take into consideration the broader public impact and in this case i have to say i'm more worried about the illicit market booming instead of uh, 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 targeting young people starting to use cedar tobacco products it's, it cost me seven hundred dollars to buy one for my father, if I want to smoke, I'd rather just go to Seven Eleven and buy a pack of cigarettes. All right, just a couple of more uh, emails. David says there's a problem with the claim that Snoospan some pre, something praiseworthy. It's not Snoos, by the way, is a smokeless moist tobacco pouch from Sweden that you place under your top lip, a traditional smokeless tobacco product, uh, apparently. Uh, David says we should think in terms of quick win to get people off smoking. That's what public health is about. Alan says one of your guests seems very concerned that vaping nicotine is a gateway to cannabis use. I don't see this as a problem. My anecdotal experiences of friends who mix tobacco with cannabis for economy and to disguise the smell, and they then became addicted to nicotine and started smoking cigarettes heavily since. The health problems with cannabis, if any, are due to smoking. The drug itself is safer and has less societal issues than alcohol or tobacco. I have Hong to take Kong issue with cannabis to, being safe. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> if Hong Kong wants to ban something for public health, ban tobacco. It's an indisputable killer. That comes from Alan. Yeah. Cannabis, I'm sorry, does undisputable brain damage, at least in young brains. Okay. Dr. Mackay, do you want the last word? Yes, 
I think if we're looking just at heated tobacco products now, I think it's worth mentioning that although the U.S. has been mentioned and England has been mentioned, there are now 30 countries and rising who have got legislative bans on heated tobacco products. Some of them have done it under old laws, some under new laws. But many countries are recognizing that this is not a risk that we should be taking. And as um, you know, Kosh said earlier on the call, we do not want to experiment with our children in Hong Kong. Okay, well, Judith Mackay, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Honorary Professor in the University of Hong Kong School of Public Health, Senior Policy Advisor to the World Health Organization. Thank you very much indeed to uh, YCU, who's a member of the Heated Tobacco Concern Group, uh, Hong Kong, and to uh, caller Mr. Lau. Thank you very much uh, indeed as well. Uh, I think that's all the... Uh, uh, feedback uh, on that issue. Finally today, we wanted to turn to what's going on in Lung Mei Beach. We've discussed this before. That's the artificial beach which has been established uh, just outside Taipo uh, uh, in recent uh, weeks. It's It's uh, been open and uh, it's reported that after heavy rain, uh, the beach has turned partly black uh, according to pictures uploaded by an environmental education uh, centre showing white sand washed away to reveal black sand uh, underneath. For comment, we're joined now by Professor Joe Lee, Director of the Environmental Science Programme, the School of Life Sciences at the Chinese University. Uh, Professor Lee, good morning to you and, and thanks for joining us. Um, are, are you concerned with what's happening? Can, can you explain what, what's happening with this, uh, this black, uh, what is it, basically mud uh, emerging? Hi, good morning. Um, well, this is actually quite a natural phenomenon, in fact, uh, because if you dig deeper into any beach, um, then you would sooner or later encounter black stuff. Um, this is actually not something that is unexpected, but uh, obviously uh, to happen on a uh, white sand beach that has been uh, open to the public just a few months is actually a little bit surprising to the users, I suppose. What is this? What is the black stuff? Is it just basically mud? Is it the mud that was there before you stuck with sand on top? Um, well, if you look at the uh, kind of sediment that is uh, present around the uh, location uh, near Nong Mei, then this is uh, really, as I said, a natural phenomenon because uh, if there is not enough oxygen in the substrate, there is, whether it's actually mud or sand, and uh, the organic matter present in the substrate will be turned into something black because uh, anaerobic respiration um, would actually turn organic matter, especially those uh, rich in sulfur, uh, to, to a black color because the black color is basically just indicative of the presence of uh, uh, mostly uh, metallic sulfides, which are usually black. And so that's an indication of the lack of oxygen penetration into those depths of the substrate. And um, the, uh, the presence of this black sand uh, at Long May is probably just a result of the, uh, the surface white sand that has been transported there being washed away uh, and exposing the deeper layers of the sediment. And the deeper layers would usually be quite um, deprived of oxygen because of the uh, lack of penetration. Um, and so there you are. You just see the black stuff uh, emerging as a result. So it's just a matter that the top layer has been washed off? Uh, I suppose so, because um, uh, usually on very uh, exposed oceanic beaches, then the black layer will only appear much deeper into the sediment. If you go to uh, beaches like uh, Shekou, uh, which are more exposed to uh, oceanic waves, 
um, then the black layer transition uh, would actually happen much deeper. But in more protected locations where the uh, oxygenation process due to wave action is quite small, uh, then the the black layer can actually be quite superficial. If you, say, for example, go to a mangrove uh, uh, forest and the mudflat just in front of it, then um, the the transition from the kind of yellowish-brown color to the black layer uh, would maybe only take place over a distance of a, a few millimeters. So and, um, just, yeah. can I just ask you, if you look at Poyo Beach on Lantau, that's black sand, but the next beach along, Changsha, is white sand. How do you account for that? Well, there are a lot of factors at play here. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, obstination is one um, factor. And the other factors involved are like, for example, the amount of organic matter that is available. Um, and um, so, for example, the organic matter available would be much higher near the, uh, the estuaries uh, or the runoff from land, uh, where you have the supply from the catchment and um, increasing the overall organic matter content of the sediment. And it is basically just a matter of um, uh, consumption and replenishment. Um, the replenish, replenishment side, you have wave action churning up the sediment and therefore allowing oxygen to penetrate deeper. On the other hand, the demand for oxygen would depend on things like the amount of organometer, the type of organometer uh, present in the location. And so it's a balance of the two um, forces that would determine whether a beach is going to be a white sand beach or a yellow sand beach or black kind of sand beach. And so it's, um, it's actually part of the, the, um, the interplay of uh, various forces along the coastline. I mean, you will know Tolo Harbour. The Chinese University, of course, is is on is on Tolo Harbour. Uh, it's it's uh, barely tidal. I think it moves pretty pretty slowly. There aren't any uh, natural white sand beaches, as far as I know, uh, anywhere uh, around there. Um, is this a suitable place to to put a, a, a beach? To, or if you put this sand, will it will it um, turn back basically to the mud and the mangroves that it was before? Uh, you have raised a very valid point here because um, when we try to restore something or create something uh, in the marine environment, one very important thing to consider is whether the location really would naturally support such a feature. And, um, well, within Tolo, especially at uh, the place where Longmei is, um, you would actually find that the natural shoreline is not covered by white sand beaches. Um, and you have uh, one of the biggest mangrove uh, forests um, in Tinkok, just nearby, very close to the Longmei Beach location. Um, and if you look around, then that's actually the kind of shoreline where you would expect a very sheltered environment where organic matter can accumulate at a rather high quantity. And so the wave action is quite small. And, well, basically, if you remember what I said earlier on, then the balance is going to be shifted at such a location towards accumulation of organic matter. And therefore, um, back to color sand is actually quite expected. Um, to put a white sand beach there is actually something, uh, to be honest, working against nature, rather working with nature. And so it's going to take a lot of effort in the design, in the maintenance um, of a white sand beach in such a location.
So you'll, you'll keep having to add sand, in essence, because it'll just oh, get well, washed away by rain? Yeah, basically, rain is actually just one of the possible uh, sources driving the loss of sand. Um, we haven't had a real typhoon this year. Um, my fear is that uh, a typhoon could actually uh, wash away a lot of the sand uh, that has been put there, because if you look at the amount of sand that has been um, transported there, uh, to create the beach, then there's a lot of sand, white sand brought, uh, brought from somewhere else to this location. Uh, but this is actually creating quite an artificial landscape or seascape. So, so I um, mean, the question is, is it, is it sustainable? Will it last? Will it be, still be there, do you think, in five years' time? Well, it's, um, it's everybody's guess, but uh, <laughs> based on what is happening there and the location and the other factors, then uh, I fear that... Um, well, it may need very, very much intensive maintenance in, mm. in the future uh, in order to s sustain such a feature um, on this uh, stretch of the shoreline. Uh, as I said, um, heavy rain is actually just one of the possible drivers for the loss of sand. Um, typhoon, uh, when you have very strong storm surges, then it could actually be another important driver uh, mm. to, to actually carry away a lot of the sand Okay, well, Professor Lee, many thanks for joining us. That's uh, Joe Lee, Director of the Environmental Science Programme, the School of Life Sciences at the Chinese University. Thank you very much indeed. Anna, thank you very much. The weather, sunny intervals, few showers and some thunderstorms. The showers heavier uh, in some areas this morning. Temperatures up to about 32 degrees in the outlet. There will still be showers in the next couple of days. It's going to be hot during the day with some sunny intervals. 29 Celsius at the moment with a relative humidity now at 84%. Consumption vouchers, shopping feels great. Whether it's for retail, catering, or services, you can use them at both physical and online stores of local merchants. For Octopus, just tap the card as usual. And for Alipay HK, Tap and Go, and WeChat Pay HK, use the vouchers in the mobile app. Remember to check the expiry date. For details, visit consumptionvoucher.gov.hk. Spending together, boosting the economy. And 33, the news now with Vicky Wong. The head of an education concern group says he's surprised at the disbandment of the professional teachers' union, but it had become too politicised over the years. Mervyn Jung from the Education Policy Concern Organisation said there was still room for outspoken unions in Hong Kong, as long as they didn't spread anti-government sentiment. The chairman of the Sports Institute, Lam Tai Fai, says he's against lowering the threshold for accepting different sports into the local, the local elite training system, saying it could affect the quality of the top-notch athletes already in the pool. And wildfires in Algeria have killed at least 42 people, including 25 members of the military, who were fighting the blazes in forests in the Kabylie region to the east of the capital, Algiers. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Hello. How are you? You're not too bad at all. Good morning. You really are spotted. Hello. You never Facebook chat with me? Good morning. He's got the Tom and Jerry type violence. It's a great experience if you just want to give a bit of zing. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning. 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 Good morning.
Welcome to Wednesday on the Morning Brew Express. I'm Phil Whelan. Today, composer and conductor Colin Touchin will be with us at 10.40 for this week's classical music bit. Today, he's going to play you some famous pieces that were, shall we say, inspired by and quite possibly nicked from other composers. And let's face it, C, F, G, A minor, that's all there is. It's bound to happen, right? Chris Watts 